0: Thank you, guys. How are you all this morning? You didn't have to shovel snow. Uh, the snow came, and the snow sort of dissipated nicely. I think I saved myself uh, snow snow shoveling responsibilities. Anyone here have the spiritual gift of snow shoveling? Anyone just love it and feel like that's what God's called them to do? I need your number if that's you. I, I need to keep you on my speed dial. Uh, Today we're talking uh, about what matters to God, and the series we're in is called Church Matters to God. Church matters. Now you may look around and go, I don't know that it matters to a lot of people, and, and you may be right, but it matters to God. And God's opinion is what matters to me. So we're talking about why church matters. We've been looking at, at the purpose of the church who, we've, who we're called to be, we're called to be ambassadors. So we think of the church as sort of the place, especially in worship gatherings, a place where the ambassadors meet to, to be encouraged, to remind ourselves of the values of the kingdom that we serve under. We talked about uh, what we do when we gather. We sing songs, we pray for each other, we share a meal to each, with each other, we open God's word and we study it together. Worship gatherings matter. Um, and we talked about then about connection about how the the intention of God is to is to put people together in a new Thing, a new family. So we're, we're, we're part of God's uh, new creation. He's building a new thing among us. We're his sons and daughters. He calls us his family. His family matters to him. And so he's building and creating and bringing us together to create a new thing. So connections, community matters to God. God's a community builder and it matters to him that we're connected with each other. We're not meant to live and do life alone. Today, we're looking at what it means to, to have the heart and the, the value of Jesus in, in serving. This is it's an important one. It touches my heart, something that I care a lot about. It takes me back to 16 years ago. I was coming off of a, a fun... But very challenging ministry in Reno, Nevada for three years. And I got the opportunity to come back to the Midwest and serve um, at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. My interview process was me, flying me in, I would lead worship because that was the role I was going to be leading in. I would lead worship and then I would go back to Reno. And I guess they would talk about me when I left and figure out if I was the right person for the job. So they did that, and then they asked me to come back a second time to do the same thing. So the second time, I'm standing there, and um, if you've been to the the Bloomington campus, you know that uh, there's some curtains there. And at the time, those were pulled back. When Tom would preach, they would pull the curtains, and so he had a clean, just curtain background. I was behind the curtain, waiting for his, every preacher has like their their final thought, that that's your cue to come up. Shauna knows what it is. She, I don't even tell her, but she knows. At a certain point, she comes up and starts playing a little bit behind. And so I was waiting on my cue to go to the piano and start my spiel, wondering if Sherwood Oaks was really the right church for me. The church in Reno was a lot different than the church in Bloomington. Um, in Reno, we, we had a lot of people... Um, coming in off the streets with all sorts of issues, and they were sort of front and center issues. Like, you couldn't ignore the issues when they brought them in. It was very challenging, but also really fun. You felt like you were right in the thick of, like, life-changing ministry with people. So leaving that sort of down and dirty, rough and grungy, face-to-face stuff to come to Sherwood Oaks Bloomington was... a uh, was a big leap for me, and I wasn't sure that this was going to be a good fit for me. Sherwood Oaks was very polished, <laughs> very swanky, um, very professional, and I'm none of those things. <clears throat> so I'm like, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know if this is a church for me, but they've, they've paid my way to come back here, so I'm going to give it a shot, or give them a shot but I'm still on the fence until I hear Tom, who was the senior minister at the time, he's since retired, he said this. He said, if this church disappeared tomorrow, if the songs and the sermons stopped, if the windows were boarded up and the doors were locked, would Bloomington even notice? Would it make any difference to the community? That's a great question. That's a great question. My mind went to some of the challenges that I'd had with the church myself. Wonderful things. But I thought of things like this. Do our Wednesday night classes change the lives of kids in the foster system? Do our Bethmore women's Bible studies impact the lives of women who work at the club downtown? Do our songs that we sing, great songs with a great band, do they change the lives of the guys, the homeless guys who are living at Seminary Park there on uh, Walnut? In a sense, are what we do, are what we are and what we do, are they, are they impacting the community around us or are they just fun for us? <laughs> we say we serve Jesus, but are the things we're doing really serving him? It's a challenging thought, a very challenging thought for any church leader. Jesus has a challenging verse, Matthew chapter 25 he, he, he tells the disciples and teaches them about what the end time will look like. And he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, when the Messiah comes and establishes his kingdom, he's going to separate people. Maybe you know this story, but he's going to separate on one side those who heard and, and listened and obeyed what he asked them to do. He's gonna, he calls them the sheep. And then he separates them from the people who don't the ones who who just go their own way and do their own thing. He calls them the goats. And he's going to turn to the sheep and say this, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the response of those who did all this is sort of interesting. The righteous respond, and they go, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. In other words, you served me when you served them. Here at Sherwood Oaks, we believe this very strongly. We believe that we serve Jesus when we serve others. So, today we're going to unpack what that looks like, why serving matters, and why the church matters. Let's pray. Father, the church is your idea, and um, yeah, it matters deeply to you. This is your strategy to bring this broken world into alignment with your kingdom. We your sons and daughters, your servants, are your strategy. We want to be open to serving your purposes in the world around us. So open our hearts and minds as we look at some scriptures that point us in um, a good direction. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I had lunch with an old friend last week, Dave you daily. I say old friend because he is old. <laughs> he would say that he's in his eighties now. Those of you who are in your eighties, age is just a construct. I get it. But Dave's feeling his age, and he is free to admit it. And, and over lunch, we talked about where we are in our life. I'm, I'm going to be sixty. No, I'm going to be. I'm not going to be sixty yet. Don't get ahead of yourself, Tim. I'm going to be fifty-six this year. And I'm and I'm looking back on my life too, going, okay, let's let's consider what our lives have been about. So we were comparing the goals we had at at a younger age with where we are now, and, you know, the the conversations center around, you know, our careers and and marriages and families and then maybe retirement, and Dave said something like this, he goes, you know, those were all important to me at one point, but as I get older, my mind just goes to something more long-lasting, and it's not that marriage isn't important. It's not that your family is not important. It's not that your career is not important. But he goes, none of those things are going to last into eternity. You know, they're all temporary things, as wonderful as they are. What lasts into eternity is the church. The church really matters because the church is the thing that will be with us till the end. The church is what we were ultimately made for. Scripture says that God has given each of us these gifts and abilities and even personalities that that all are 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 entrusted to us for the purpose of building this new family, this new thing that God that God is has instituted, the church. So so when we serve each other, we we build the church. We get the most joy. We grow the most in our faith. We meet Jesus, in fact, when we are serving others. Now, what do, I, what do I mean by that? We meet Jesus when we serve others. Last Monday morning, I got a call from Darren Swango. Some of you know Darren. Darren has the spiritual gifts of compassion. And he had had a conversation with someone after church, and, and it weighed on him. So Monday morning, he gives me a call. and he says, hey, I was talking to so-and-so, and, and man, they're going through this right now. And I, I'm, I, just, I just feel like we need to X, Y, Z. And he told me his little plan. And I started laughing because what Darren didn't know is that I had had a similar conversation with this person. And as I was driving home that day, I'm thinking, I feel like we need to X, Y, Z. The X's, the Y's, and the Z's lined up exactly between me and Darren. Now, you might say, well, you know, hey. Here for me, me having an idea is, is great. I've, got some, I've had good ideas in my life. They're not that unusual. But when my idea and someone else's idea lines up so perfectly, I just see Jesus in the middle of that. Don't you? You just see Jesus there. You go, okay, God, you are at work in this situation. You care so much more about this person than than either Darren or I do. You are right there and you are instructing us. You're helping us see you as we serve him. I love seeing Jesus when I'm serving others. In John, the book of John, there's a story of Jesus at a wedding Those of you who know this story know know what the crisis was. What was the crisis at this wedding? They were running out of wine. Not a runaway bride, running out wine. And I know that for many of you, running out of wine is not a big deal. For some of you, I'll be honest, it probably is a big deal. (laughs) You don't want to run out of wine. In this instance, at this wedding, it was a big deal to run out of wine. It was an embarrassment to the host. It was going to cut short the wedding. It was going to change it from a celebration to sort of an, I don't know, awkward. And so the hosts come to Jesus and say, what can you do? And, and so they didn't alert the guest what was going on. Did you notice that? They never told the guest, hey, guys, here's what's happening. We just want you all to know what's going on behind the scenes. No, 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 no. Jesus approaches those who are serving the servants And he says this, I, "I'm going to do something. Here's what you need to do. You need to fill all these vessels up with water, and then go serve it to the guest." So the servants, because they're servants, they do what Jesus tells them to do. They pour the water into the goblets, and what happens in that miracle has stuck with us since that first miracle. The water was turned to wine. Who witnessed the miracle? It wasn't the guests. They had no idea what they were saying in front of them. It was the servants. The servants were the ones who saw what was going on. They're the ones who witnessed Jesus reveal himself for the first time for who he was. They got to see Jesus right there as they were serving others. When we serve others, we see Jesus. When we serve others, we share grace. On Tuesday night, we're going through a class with Paula on communication, and, and part, of the, part of the study is we just sort of discover who we are in our communication style. I have never studied love languages before, but I have decided that my love language is acts of service, which is very convenient because that's what we're talking about today. But maybe you're the same way. There's nothing like that moment when someone walks up and says, hey, can I give you a hand? Anyone like, oh, that—that that is my love language right there. I'm happy. I, I love a person who, who loves me enough to help me out. Last week, uh, Jeff Lamps and I were walking out the door together, and he turns to me and says, hey, so what can I do to help you this week? I'm like, I was taken aback. I was like, uh... I don't know, but right now, you're my favorite person, Jeff Lampson. He, he shared God's grace with me. You know, one of the passages that we've talked about here is from 1 Peter chapter 4, where, where, where Peter writes this to the church. He goes, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. I love that word steward it means God has entrusted grace to us he said here I'm going to give you a measure of grace and you just dispense it however you you see fit you are the steward of grace go give it away and Jeff was the steward of God's grace in that moment saying hey you don't have to carry this alone you don't have to shoulder this responsibility all by yourself I am with you. As God, it's like God was saying, I'm, I'm with you, and I'm going I'm to use Jeff's hands and feet to remind you that I am here. Jeff, Jeff, by serving me, shared God's grace. When we share uh, God's grace with others, we're serving Jesus. When we serve others, we're sharing God's grace. This other thing that I like to think of in, in serving, it's kind of hard. I was trying to put in a, a, a clever little way of saying this, and I don't really know how to do it, so I'm just going to say, say it this way. When we serve others, we, we sort of change the story. We change our story we change other people's story as well. And, and I always think about a moment back in Reno in my little small group, and we had a couple of guys in there who were going through some addiction recovery stuff, and they were living at a place that operated a, uh, a homeless shelter. And so one night we're in my living room, and we've, we've got about six or eight of us around the circle, and, and, and Nick says, um, he goes, hey, I think our group should go down and, and make dinner for the guys at the homeless shelter. Now the homeless shelter was a large, Reno is a big city. The homeless shelter had about 60 to 80 guys in there every night. And my first thought when I looked around our circle of eight was that uh, that's a lot. Even if I wanted to go feed the homeless, that's a lot of homeless to feed amongst us. But if you're a small group leader, a spiritual leader. It is really hard to say no. I don't think we should feed the homeless. I'm just being honest here. <laughs> That's really hard to say. So I'm like, "Uh, okay. Well, okay. How are we going to do it?" And then and and then we did it. We made spaghetti and meatballs which feeds a lot of people with a little bit. And we went down there. I don't remember much about the night except that I met people who before I had driven by going 70 miles an hour, I saw faces that were just blurs or non-entities before. And that night, I got to sit down and have spaghetti and meatballs and a cup of coffee with people who God was doing some good stuff in their lives. There were stories being told through these, these men that I needed to hear. God loved them was telling amazing grace stories through their lives. And, and God used that moment of serving to begin changing me and changing my heart and shifting my story into a new direction. The fact that here at Sherwood Oaks Bedford, we're invested in the men's warming shelter in Bedford, in small part, maybe larger part than you might guess, is because a guy named Nick said... I think we should go feed the homeless. Nick saw a need and invited me to come along and serve, and my story changed, and their story changed, and maybe our story changed because of that moment. You say, okay, I get it, Tim. Uh, This sermon's about serving, so I want to be willing to serve. Um, I don't want to be like you saying, I don't think we should serve homeless guys. No, I want to be willing to serve. So so where do I start? Well, you can start by l- just looking around. <laughs> uh, those of you who are married uh, know that it's probably not too far-fetched to say that you would give your life for the person you love. Those big dramatic gestures, that's what That's what romantic love is built around. But the big gestures are one thing. The smaller day-to-day little in and out acts of service are another matter altogether. Sally Cook says this, great opportunities to help others seldom come, but small ones surround us every day. Every day there are small opportunities to help Philippians 2 4 says that we should be looking out for those opportunities, not looking out for our own interests, but each of you looking out for the interests of others. So look around. Where are people serving that you can help out with? Do you have gifts of hospitality? Can you smile or bake? Well, you can serve God um, by serving as a greeter at our doors or part of our coffee team. Do you like to garden? We've got some winter beds. we got some beds that need to put down for the, for the winter. We have lots of property. If you've got a truck with a blade on it, this parking lot is going to need to be scraped at some point this, this, uh, this winter. We could, we could use those skill sets and those resources. We'd love your help. Do you have gifts of organizing and administration? Well, we can use some help with Operation Christmas Child and some other stuff that we're doing here. You can serve God and children around the world by assisting us with Operation Christmas Child. We'll even train you how to do that. You know where I'd love to see some of you serve? <clears throat> I'd love to see some of you serve in children's ministry. I know your response is the same as mine when Nick said, I think we should go feed the homeless. Children's ministry is, is a big ask for a lot of people. But here's why I think serving in children's ministry is perhaps one of the most effective ways to serve Jesus and just turbocharge your own discipleship and spiritual growth. One, because serving in children's ministry is biblical. Deuteronomy, God tells Moses to let all the people know that one of their responsibilities is to train up their children. And to teach them diligently God's word that's found in Deuteronomy. The second reason is this. Kids ministry is perhaps the most effective mission field that you are ever going to be exposed to 63% of Christians come to Christ between the age of 4 and 14 some of the studies say serving in Sherwood Oaks kids puts you right on the front lines of the mission field you don't have to go to Haiti you don't have to go to Indonesia you don't have to go to India (laughs) you walk across the hall into room 102 there's a mission field right there I mentioned this serving in kids ministry the best ways uh, is one of the best ways to disciple yourself and others So educators talk about three tiers of learning. So the first tier of learning is just learning something for yourself, like, oh, I find that interesting, I wanna learn about that. The second tier of learning is taking that information to instruct others, to teach someone else. Hey, here's what I learned, let me tell you what I learned. The third tier is knowing it well enough to teach it to a child. That's the third tier of learning. Teaching children is an excellent way to train yourself. When you are able to teach kids, you know it yourself really, really well. Think about this, for some some parents, Sunday morning and Wednesday night, are the only opportunity they have to invest in their own own spiritual well-being. They're investing in their kids the rest of the time. So when you're serving in children's ministry on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night, you are actually participating in the adult discipleship program here at Sherwood Oaks. Man, you're not just serving kids. You're serving Jesus. And you're serving his purposes in their parents' lives. I love this. Serving in kids' ministry will keep them connected to the church later and later in life. So we know this story when kids go away to college very often. They're sort of adrift. They sort of struggle to find their own faith and their own place in the world. But But studies show that if children have five adults who are invested, sincerely invested in their well-being, who know them, who know who they are, who are invested in them, when these kids go away, they're going to be much more likely to get reconnected to a faith family when they go away to college. It's going to hold them in good stead all the way up into adulthood when they have their own families. When you serve in kids' ministry, you can potentially be that child's five, one of their fives. We serve Jesus when we serve others, And we serve Jesus when we serve kids. Matthew 18, 5 says, Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. And man, if that's not convicting, you say, I don't really like kids. Well, you're saying you don't really like Jesus because Jesus says, hey, where the kids are is where you're going to find me. Jesus is right there where we see kids. Last week, I was walking down the hall, and I noticed all these smudges and fingerprints on the wall. I look at the front doors. I mean, there's little nose prints everywhere, little hand prints all over those. And you can clean them and clean them and clean them. I can't, we, I can't get them off. They're, like, permanent. I don't know what it is. But those kids have, like, sticky fingers, like alien prints. And I'm walking down the hallway going, we, we need to paint these halls again. They're ready for a refresh of paint. Yeesh, that looks bad. And immediately I'm, I'm caught, and God says, you know what, Tim? There are churches all over this county that would give anything to have little smudgy handprints down their hallways. We are very, very blessed to have these kids with us. We, we've been entrusted by God with these kids, so, so we need to take good care of them. On Sunday morning, I'm on a Wednesday night, we have more kids on Wednesday night than we do on Sunday morning. Can you believe that? Wednesday night is a great opportunity to say, hey, I'm willing to serve God by showing up here for an hour and a half and investing in some little kids. It's a terrific problem to have. Kids are a terrific problem to have. But we can't serve them well if we don't have people like you who can say, yes, I'm willing to help. Talk to Heather about what it means uh, to be a helper on Wednesday or Sunday morning. She would love to give you the down low on what that looks like. And it's not nearly as as, uh, scary as you might think it is. But we serve Jesus when we serve others. Jesus talks about our lives being like a city set on a hill. Late at night, that city shines and illuminates the night sky. And he says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when I'm standing back there behind that curtain, remember where I was at the beginning of the sermon, and I hear Tom ask that question, I realize that this is an impacting, a a transformational question because it's going to affect not just the church out here, but it's going to affect me personally. Is my light going to shine so that people see Jesus, or is my light going to shine so that people see me? As a church, is our light going to shine so it focuses on us and people go, wow, well, it's a great church, or are we going to let our light shine so that, so that it illuminates the world around us so we know where we can serve best? We have sort of a, an unwritten but often spoken saying around here, that we don't care about being the best church in the community. We want to be the best church for our community. We don't need to be the star of the show. We just need to turn the spotlight on Jesus and let others see him. We want to serve this community that God has placed us in at this time and this place. God has placed us here. We want to serve in a way that Jesus would. And how did Jesus serve? Well, Jesus says this about himself. He says, the son of man did not come to be served. He could have. He would have absolutely deserved every bit of service that he could demand. But he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. To give his life, not just an hour, but his life as a ransom for many. We're going to share in a time of communion now. And this time is for Christians, for Christians who follow a king, King Jesus. And Jesus has made it clear what he is about, what his values are in the kingdom of God. It's serving others. So every Sunday morning when we take this little cup and this little piece of bread, we remind ourselves that Jesus came to serve. Today, as you take this token meal, a small piece of bread small cup of juice. I want you to remember that scene in the upper room and if you know this passage, you know that Jesus gathers his disciples there and he serves them. He breaks the bread. He pours the cup. He even washes their feet. And in so doing, he gives an example. He gives us an example of what we should be about. He served us and now we serve him and we serve him by serving others. Jesus, we want to love you. We want to honor you. We want to serve you. The way that we can serve you is to serve others, serve others here around us in the church, our kids and, and, and others that we, we work and, and um, just live around to serve, serve each other but also to seek and save and serve the lost. So God, there's people outside these walls that need to know you. God, we we want to offer our lives as well. Not that we can be a ransom for many, but God, we can point them to the one who can. So Jesus, as we take the bread and we take the cup, we give thanks for your sacrifice, for your selfish, selflessness, and, and your um, servant heart. And God, we pray that, that as we take the, the meal, that, that our own lives, that you would, you would water and fertilize that seed of selflessness in us so that we can serve others like you do. We pray this in Jesus' name.